Let us pray. Dear God, we come together this morning on this kind of dreary, cloudy day, hoping for a sign, a spark of your love or your presence in our lives. Sometimes we are so beaten down with our schedules and all the responsibilities of the week, the family, um, the job, our home front, that uh, it is hard to find the time to really sit with you and listen. Listen to your encouragement. Listen to your sense of promise and hope for us. Listen to what you have called us to be. And so during this Lenten season, Lord, we truly ask that we will return, return to you above all, not last of all. Help us, Lord, to place you proper and square right in the middle of our lives so we have to trip over you, walk with you, go behind you, whatever, Lord, but let you be the main event. In Jesus' name we do ask it. Amen. Every Wednesday morning at about 11.20, I am seated right up here. You can see, if you can see them, there is a couple lambs here already uh, anticipating what is going to happen. But on Wednesdays is my day to do chapel for the nursery school. And so I get here, there's two 20-minute classes that come roaring down the aisles here with lots of exuberance. And so I sit here collecting my thoughts, thinking about what the story time is going to be, a few props, the songs, etc. And then they start to come. I see their little heads coming under the glass, and their teachers are in the lead of each group. And they come uh, pretty orderly down here, and uh, they sit down right upon my feet here as I'm sitting here. And immediately, one of the little girls will check out whatever necklace I have on and pull it and look at it, and, and the little boys will come up and give me a hug, and it's just, um, it's really good uh, for your heart to, to have this. But when they begin to sit down, I always notice the last girl who's able to get down the aisle, very touching, is a girl who has two braces from the waist down to her feet on her legs, and she has two crutches, she's only about four, and she has to swing her legs every step together as one pendulum as she walks down the aisle and then sits on her teacher's lap in the front. Breaks my heart, but she is a strong girl. She can do it very well. And then the little boy who's up here <clears throat> looking at all my, my accoutrements here is also one who needs a hearing aid. And so I get, one of the teachers hands me her hearing aid, and so I get an extra help so that he can hear me even though he's sitting right at my feet. And his speech is very hard to understand. I, I, can't, I need a translator, sadly. But I smile a lot and say, yes, that's good. But poor little guy. And then there's the little, um, I think, autistic boy who, at some range, sits in his teacher's lap and never comes close, but is a beautiful boy. It's like a little, a little flock of sheep for me. I'm the little shepherd. And there are all different stages and... Um, stages and walks in life already at the tender ages of two and three and four. And of course the predominance are healthy and uh, active and, and, um, and not, don't have any uh, personal concerns in that direction. Uh, some of them do. But it is a, a privilege to sit with them. I've kind of grown into it. Pastor Douglas did this all the years he was here and I never did it. But now I have been put in this role and Keith does Tuesday mornings and it really is uh, food for the soul uh, to be uh, the one able to 
to help shape a small beginning of their relationship with God and knowing that God is all about them and all for them. Of course, uh, this week we would have sung a song that would go something like this because we have to have fun action songs and you know this song and because I'm working with Psalm 23 this morning, we have to sing, I just want to be a sheep, but I'd like you to kind of join in with me because audience participation wakes you up, invests you in it, and I see nursery school teachers right over there smiling. So if, if we can't do it, I'll have to call the nursery school staff up here to help me. Oh, no. Okay, already it's I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. And pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Now, there's hand motions, of course. And you adults who are children of God should be free enough to do these. I just want to be a sheep. Here's your ears. Ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. And pray the Lord my, this is harder, soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. This was a good time for a video on life at Upper Dublin. (laughs) From the front, I could see the potential. Okay, are you ready? I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. And pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Welcome to Children's Chapel. You have done a good job. All right. So we're our sheep, actually. We all know that. You've now confirmed it and done a fine job of it. And the uh, story that we told, of course, for the children is the sheep story where there's one lost sheep and 99 are left in the fold. And Jesus goes and searches for just the one who is lost. But today we have Psalm 23. And it's not typical to use that as one of our lessons for preaching, I don't think, but um, it's the best-known psalm we have, just as you knew that little children's song. I guess if I asked you to recite Psalm 23 from memory, most of you could do it. Um, and that is something, maybe it started with Sunday school for you. But it is always, always, always thought of as um, sort of a funeral psalm, sadly, I think. It's um, almost every funeral I have ever done <clears throat> has used Psalm 23, mostly at the graveside, at the burial. And it's a beautiful psalm. It's the one, um, it's the most well-known and uh, most popular of all for Jews and for Christians alike. Uh, But my question becomes, is it really fair to keep it only at the graveside? Because really, it's meant to be a psalm as well for the living. And so today I want to look at it a little bit and uh, emphasize uh, why it's not uh, just used at a time of death and dying. So we have reached the halfway point in one of my favorite seasons of all, Lent. I'm all purpled up here. Somebody said I just blend right against the pyramids today, so uh, that was my goal, because Lent is just this most powerful time. We sing the song, and uh, I don't know that we sing it in this service, but return to the Lord your God, who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And Lent is this time for Lutherans, and the Catholic tradition and many others when we take these 40 days to look at ways we need to return to the Lord our God. And boy, um, a lot of us are so busy that it really is a struggle. And so we're in the halfway point. You know, we're, we're getting um, halfway to Easter uh, or better, and it's time for us perhaps to take stock of how we're doing. Uh, many of us, I know, have 
given up things and added on things, but if it's not too late, if you've kind of lost your way in the Lenten devotion, uh, let's, let's just reorient uh, ourselves on the trail and use today's scripture as a check-in for our discipleship. So if I were to ask you in little groups, which I'm not going to do, but I would someday, if you uh, would share with each other, are you growing closer to God in your journey of faith? Or are you moving more distantly from God? We all do this push-me-pull-you relationship in our lives from time to time, depending on the circumstances. But lately I have heard from our prayer requests, and as you've heard them too, there is so much sadness in our lives. So many people battling cancer of all ages and stages, all um, parts of the body are afflicted. People who have given birth to children have been um, gotten sick, and there's been all kinds of other afflictions that we have asked for prayer requests, death, unsuspecting deaths, coming too soon, etc. Um, I, this week, <clears throat> am saddened by the loss of one of our members, Dr. Paul Brucker, who has been battling uh, many illnesses over the last three years. I've known him since I was at Trinity Lansdale in the 80s, he was a member there and transferred here a couple years ago. He was formerly president at Jefferson Hospital and lives right across the street almost. And I've been seeing him, very dignified, beautiful man, very knowledgeable. Um, and he just decided last week that he was going to have no more, pal- no more care, just palliative. And he died within a few days. And it's kind of, it's kind of he- weighing heavily on me. Uh, it's a beautiful family, and I've known them for a long time. And so we all have these kind of clouds that settle over us in our faith journey. And Lent is that wonderful time to also know that the darkest of our nights is um, not dark to God because we have Easter coming, you know? It's like the famous sermon, you know, it may be tough today, but Sunday's a coming And Sunday is Resurrection Day, and we can always count on that. But we need to absorb it in ways that we practically take hold of that good news. So how do we return to him? How do we return to Jesus if he's getting a little bit out of sight, out of mind? We add spiritual practices, of course. We can keep God centered in our daily life, perhaps around the family table, before dinner at night, or before bedtime. But also, do we practice giving up some of the grudges we might have against people and some of the anger? Our society right now, our nation is really tightly wound, (laughs) and there are a lot of strong opinions all over the place. People aren't having family discussions at the table about uh, various topics. It's just really a contentious time, and so there is a lot of um, wall building going up. So is our Lenten journey adding more walls, or are we taking them down? Are we breaking through relationships that have been a little strained? Are we learning more about Scripture and about Christ's teachings uh, this Lent? It seems to me it's a time for all the extra devotional books we put out, all the reading Livy has out on the counter there, and I know I, too, don't have time even to get to the devotional reading sometime, but it is there for us uh, should we set aside that time. Is the entire family engaged <clears throat> in Lenten practice, are the, are the little ones and the older ones included in some way in some practices that will live on? I remember when I was young, uh, I would go to church with my dad on Wednesday nights, and um, it was a 20-minute drive to get to our church at least, and it was a precious time to sit next to him. Uh, I've told you before, he couldn't sing a note on 
untuned. He was tone deaf and completely embarrassing in that way. But that was a, a, a tradition that we had, and, uh, and it lingers later in life, uh, those patterns that parents set traditions. And so what, what are you doing to intensify your Lenten journey? Uh, it's a good challenge to our relationship with God when we confess, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Wow, that's a good consumer pledge. I shall not be in want. Because God knows our needs before we ask. And if we lean into God as our shepherd, he will help us lie down in green pastures and lead us beside the still waters every day. In fact, springtime is always a resurrection season for us as I sit and look at the little buds on my deck out in the backyard, the crocuses that are coming up in my front yard, and the tulips that are trying and trying through the snowstorms to get up. It is a time of renewal. And Lent, the word Lent, means springtime. It means a time for new life, of renewal. And it comes when we have reinvested in our faith journey and are walking the walk with our Lord. So return to the Lord, our God, and you shall not be in want. He provides for us this awesome creation, and he also um, is shown gratitude when we stop and appreciate it. Just stop and take it in for a minute, the abundance of our scenery around us and our landscape, and protect and conserve it. Do we see what God wants us to focus on, our time and our energy, our personal time and energy? If we feel emptiness or pain inside, have we given the problem to God? Is there space then to hear his response? It says in verse 3, You restore my soul, Lord. You restore my soul and guide me along right pathways for your namesake. So Lent is a season, I call it, of homework, spiritual homework, of restoring and refreshing our souls. We don't do it ourselves, but we put ourselves in the context where it can be renewed and refreshed, where a spiritual tune-up can take place from time to time, which means we trim our, our daily lives with the, from the overgrown, meaningless demands that always get in the way of God and God's kingdom. Or we deepen our connection to him. And how do we do that? How do we restore our soul? How does God restore our soul? Well, first of all, what what is a soul? We hit our soul. It's a little bit misleading for the children, I must admit. But um, the soul is kind of your true core self, what God designed you to be. Then when you play into who you are with your gifts and all your special talents and you do it for the love of God, you are soaring. Your soul is really singing a good song. And so, you know, my soul is who God intended you to be. There may be caked on layers of responsibility and stuff that you have to do that isn't really feeding your soul. But when you take back what God has given you as your precious gifts, then you are going to be restored and renewed. In baptism, you were given spiritual gifts. In the water that washed your head, you were also given the gifts, maybe of hospitality or the gift of teaching or the gift of discernment of the spirit, all these things we talk about in new member classes. And you are given that gift for a reason, to make this world a better place, to give breath and life to the world. And you're designed also to bring home lost sheep. 
just like our Lord Jesus Christ does. There are lost sheep in your workplace. They're probably looking for somebody that might have an answer to all the hurt and sorrow and pain in their heart. Maybe you are going to be the shepherd this time during Lent to the return them to the Lord their God who is gracious and merciful. We have sick and wounded lambs right now, so many in the fold, who are battling with diseases and going to the hospital every day for another treatment. It takes a toll. I visited someone this week who is, um, the, the, the treatment she's gotten has made her unable to uh, walk. Her legs have gotten so weak, and so she's, she's got a walker, though she doesn't need one, and she's homebound until she can restore her her, her legs from the treatment. So even though you're getting treated for something that's bad for you, it has a consequence. So people all around us, it's just a time of constant need. Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. All we who are so burdened and heavy, he wants to give refreshment to our soul. Enter Jesus who's gone through the dark valleys and the shadow of death and doubt itself and conquered it and come out the other side. You know, we don't, when we say we go through the, the psalm says we, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't mean that we all stop there. You know, at the grave it seems very appropriate, but when you're using Psalm 23 for a Lenten renewal, it means, yes, we all come very close to acknowledging we're finite creatures. We have a disease perhaps, but we're getting better. We're kicking it. We're getting over it. But it draws us close and it peels away all the layers of stuff in our lives and get us down to the core of what really makes a life matter in God's eyes. God loves us unconditionally and wants to heal us and renew us. So we walk through the valley, but we still come out the other side, but maybe closer to God than we were when we went in. Death has no power over us. We know that. And sacrificial love makes us new from our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a book called Psalms for Sojourners by Old Testament professor uh, James Limburg. He's at Luther Seminary in St. Paul. And he tells a story, which I thought had merit, of going bicycling with his son after they'd gotten new 10-speed bicycles. He says, we took a ride on a bike path around town Just off the path was a drainage tunnel, uh, which ran underneath the interstate highway. We decided to explore it. We parked our bikes and began to walk through the tunnel. It was made of concrete wide enough for us to walk side by side, but not high enough for me to stand up, straight and tall. So we walked a distance, and then the tunnel took a sharp turn, and I was walking bent in half like this. At the sharp turn, the tunnel became suddenly dark. A hand reached out and took my hand, my son's. Neither of us said anything about it, but we continued hand in hand until we came to another turn and we could see the light. Then the hand let go. Limburg compares this experience with Psalm 23. This is a psalm for those who, when the path of our life takes a sharp turn and leads us through darkness, there is a hint that someone takes our hand. There is no hint that we can avoid the dark valley in our lives. Many will come, but we can't detour it either. 
the path will have to be traveled, says Lindbergh, but there is the promise that we will never have to go through the darkness alone. Like good shepherd who cares for the sheep, like a loving parent who holds the hand of his child, the Lord promises to be with us on that way through the darkness. It's good to be a sheep sometimes. It's good to know the Lord is your shepherd all the time. That you just want to be a sheep, ba 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 ba, and you pray the Lord your soul to keep the real you, the you that God intended you to be and be able to give back to this world. Cleanse all the junk off your life and get to the true soul. It doesn't. It's that part of you that that truly shines in this world when it's working for God. There's one more line in Psalm 23. I don't want to overlook. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, I found an illustration by uh, Robert Fisher, and he explains this as his final confession. This famous last verse is a comfort, but it seems to clash with reality. Experience shows that goodness and mercy follow no people all the days of their life. There's always a mixture of good and evil that follow all of us. To say otherwise is like saying, and they lived happily ever after. However, the Hebrew word for follow may be translated pursue. Pursue. And that changes the picture a little bit. God's goodness and mercy shall chase after us or pursue us if we run in the other direction. Like when a small child trips and skins its knee, a simple kiss from a loving caregiver brings healing. Does the skinned knee go away? No, of course not. The physical pain remains, but the offering of love in the form of a caring kiss makes all the difference. In this way, Psalm 23 is about finding life in its truest sense, which is union with the Lord, perhaps feeling his kiss when your knee has been skinned, and discovering that it can bring healing to our whole lives every day. Take Psalm 23 into your daily life, into your Lenten practice. It helps us return to the Lord our God. And surely then goodness and mercy, his mercy, will pursue us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.